Welcome to the Watoto Church Podcast. Prepare your heart as we explore scripture and delve into the Word of God. Today I'm going to co-preach with Brian and it's going to be, I believe, one life-changing message. But also I know that as we come to the end of uh, the series, Fully Devoted, this is going to be some practical things that you can take away. This series actually was inspired in our hearts in the month of Feb. We were launching our theme, Pioneering Again, and... There's a way God laid it in our hearts that we cannot pioneer again if we are half-hearted. we got to be fully engaged. And so we started the series by talking about the why. You know, God expects it from us. He expects us to be fully devoted. But it's also our response uh, back to Jesus. He gave his all. We need to give our all to him. Uh, This past Friday, we had a wedding for uh, our son and daughter from the villages, Joel and Jacqueline. And uh, they came here and made their vows to each other. That marriage cannot work if only one is willing. It takes two. And so it's the same for our walk with Jesus. He is fully devoted. We too need to be fully devoted. And then we said there's no chance for you to live a life of significance without being fully devoted. We can never change the world with half-hearted devotion. We gotta give our all. And then last week we talked about the life of a disciple here. Calvin was sharing and uh, it was a great uh, message. We have to live a life of holiness, honoring the purpose of Jesus in our lives, his call. But we also talked about endurance. Uh, That's expected of a life of a disciple. Today we're going to conclude by talking about the disciplines of uh, a disciple. Now that word discipline is not so common, not so popular. How many of you love discipline and being disciplined? It's not an easy thing, but it is necessary. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24 to 27 says, uh, this is Paul. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? Similar to the popular marathons here in the city. Everybody joins. They just want to look smart and get the uh, jogging uh, um, attire. Everybody runs. But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Don't just run anyhow. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But... We do it for an eternal prize. So Paul says in verse 26, I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete. Training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Paul was simply saying, it's not enough to expect discipline from those I preach to. I must be disciplined myself. 
Now, my friends, discipline is not a spiritual gift. I can pray day and night for you to be disciplined, but at some point you got to get up. You got to put in the work. And you know what? If you put in the work, God has already committed to put in his work and support us. So much as it's not easy, it is possible. Now, as we dive into some of these disciplines this past week, a friend of mine, uh, we had arranged to have a breakfast meeting at 8. So he phoned me the day before. He said, you know what? Can we do it at 6.15 in the morning? We start with a walk uh, and then we can have breakfast. I said, sure. And I made a mistake. I said, come rain, come shine. Let's do it. <laughs> and at 4.30, it began raining. Um, but I said, I gave my word. And so sure enough, 10 past 6 a.m., I was at his gate. It was raining. And then he said, you know, maybe let's give the rain some time to come down. Let's go to the gym and then we will see it. 30 minutes into the gym, the rain was not going away. He said, you know what? We're going to do it. I said, let's do it. We walked in the rain. And 11 kilometers later, I saw that it was possible. Sometimes our mind tricks us that we cannot do it. Today as we share on this discipline, some of them are new for you, some of you, you know all of this stuff, but it is about getting it into action and I want to encourage you, the things we are going to share, you can do them through Christ who gives us strength. Amazing. Paul lived a disciplined life and God used him mightily. The early church committed to certain number of disciplines because this was the expression of their devotion to Jesus. They were fully committed followers of Jesus. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 to 47 what that looked like. The Bible says, and they, the early church, the disciples, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amazing. Yeah. The early church were committed to living disciplined lives because of their devotion to God. They added discipline to their devotion and God did incredible things through them. You know what, Matoda Church? God wants to do incredible things through us and is calling us to commit. And so the first discipline we want to talk about is this. Let us discipline ourselves to study and obey God's word. Let us discipline ourselves to study and obey God's word. We read it in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. When we talk about the apostles' teaching... The apostles continued the teachings of Jesus. Yes, 
They taught what Jesus taught in the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19 to 20. Jesus said to his disciples, and teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. And so the apostles' teachings were really the teachings of Jesus. It was the word of God. Today there is a problem with that phrase, the apostles' teachings. People who claim to be men of God, Pastor Julius, take the teachings of the Bible and they begin to twist them. And they come up with new teachings that do not draw people closer to Jesus. Instead, they lead people farther and farther away from Jesus. Pastor Julius, earlier you shared the story of a pastor in Kenya. Will you take a moment and just share that sad story? You know, it's, it's heartbreaking when you talk about when people begin to twist the teaching of God's word and find unsuspecting believers, those who don't have the discipline of reading and studying God's word by themselves, they easily get deceived. And uh, if you've been following the news in the past week, there's a pastor, I think he's a prophet. He's been asking people to starve to death so they can see Jesus. And over a hundred bodies have been found in his compound of innocent people that this man has deceived, pretending to be teaching God's word. But when we talk about the discipline of studying and obeying God's word, this is for you so that you're never deceived. You will know the truth and it will set you free from the lies of some of these uh, men and women of God. Amen. And so we need to be disciplined to study God's word. Yep. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. Now understand, this is Paul advising his son, Timothy. Yep. And we are advising you as your fathers, we want to advise you as your brothers, as your pastors. The Bible says all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. In other words, when you begin to study God's word, when you make a habit of diving into God's word, it will begin to open your eyes to see life as God sees it. You will begin to understand what is true and what is wrong. The Bible says that God's word will correct us when we are wrong and teach us to do what is right. Because God uses his word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And for you to live a fully devoted life to Jesus, you've got to commit to studying God's word. You've got to be a man and woman of God's word. You've got to teach your children to read God's word. When you wake up in the morning, before you go to bed at night, spend time in God's word. Because God's word will shape you. It will begin to produce within you a passionate love for Jesus. Because you want to obey him. And in obeying God's word, Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my commandments. Our obedience is an act of our devotion and our love for Jesus. I want to encourage you at Toto Church, do not just buy into anything you hear because it is itching and good for your ears. Let us be students of God's word so that we'll be stable and firm in our relationship with God. It is time for us to be disciplined to study and obey God's word. That's true and uh, you, you need to discipline yourself by having a time where you get to read God's word daily. These days, because we are in the digital world, you can get apps, applications that will give you scripture daily. They can guide you in just having a, an engagement with God's word. And sometimes it's good to do it also with other people. So you can study this word. When you open God's word, God will open his mouth and he will speak to you. That's what he does. 
The second discipline is prayer. The Bible says they devoted themselves to prayer. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16 says about Jesus. He would withdraw to a desolate place and pray. He had a disciplined prayer life. In fact, the disciples saw how effective Jesus lived. And they didn't ask Jesus to teach them how to preach or how to perform miracles. They knew the secret of Jesus' successful life was in prayer and they asked him to teach them how to pray prayer is a discipline for a fully devoted disciple now i understand when we talk about prayer brian many ideas of what prayer looks like come to our minds when i was at the university i saw all kinds of prayer and, and it looked like prayer was acrobatics because people did all kinds of weird things when they were praying. But my friends, it's not in the acrobatics of the how. It's in the authenticity of your heart that prayer resides. God is not interested in all the big words, in all the, uh, the animations in prayer. He looks at your heart. And when we talk about the discipline of prayer, it's about that sinceity of full dependence on God for some matters in our lives. We all know that there are impossible situations that we face on a daily basis. We all know there are things that we cannot do. When I drop my kids at school, I've done my part to drop them. When they are at school, I don't know who is talking to them. I don't know what they are thinking. But I can simply pray and say, God, watch over my kids. When you're going to work, you open your shop in the morning. You've, you can't dictate who comes to your shop that day to buy. But open that shop and say, God, it's a day that I'm trusting you to bring customers and clients. That is simple prayer. Pray for your wife, for your husband. So when we talk about this discipline of prayer, it's just that simple, authentic dependence on God. And when God finds such a heart, he's ready to show himself strong on your behalf. And so don't, don't get caught up in this craze of animated prayer. Just be real. Just be real. I'll end with this story because um, about four years ago, uh, a lady in the church, we finished service, came to me and said, Pastor, I I'm, I'm trying to do uh, a surprise birthday for my husband. And I think the biggest surprise would be for you and Vanita, my wife, coming at their home for the birthday party. I said, of course. It's also good sometimes for you to be a surprise. <laughs> so I did. And Vanita and I went and he was shocked that we would go to their house. And we had a good time chatting, eating, and hearing their story. And just before we left, they shared with us and said, no, pastor, we've been married quite a bit. Now we are, we are trusting God for a child. 
and they didn't have a, a child yet. We just put our hands together and in simplicity of faith, we prayed. And we left it at that and we kept in touch and uh, uh, about four weeks ago, five weeks ago, they sent us a text and said, before we bring the baby to church for dedication, we want you to come back home where we prayed and thank God for that baby. Now we took four years and here's the thing. There is no prayer you have prayed that just bypasses the ears of God. God will remember those tears and those prayers. And in his time, he will make it beautiful. That's why we need to stay in prayer. Because the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. It will yield God kind of results. Be disciplined in prayer. Don't give up praying. He's a faithful God. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a big and clap of praise. Amazing. The fourth, the third discipline is discipline yourself to stay in fellowship. So important. So critical. The Bible tells us in Acts 2, 42 and then verse 44 and 45. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Wow. They were committed to fellowship. They were disciplined to fellowship. And I, I want to just say this to you. God never meant for you to do life alone. Never. God created for you to thrive in community. We need each other. I need you, you need me. We are family. And when we get together, we encourage one another. Yes, we do. The right of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 to 25 says, Do not give up the habit of meeting one with another. Because when we get to meet one with another, then we inspire one another towards love and good works. Yes. When he talks about love, he's saying you get to be inspired in your love for God and your love for the people around you. Because when you get to hear what God is doing in someone else's life, you are inspired. When you hear testimonies of answered prayer, then you're encouraged to pray. Yeah. When you hear testimonies of what, how God has healed the sick, then say, God, I'm going to believe you. Because you see, there is strength when we are together. And this is how we say it here at Watoto Church. Life is better together. together. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 9 to 10 says, Two people are better than one. Because together they have a good reward for their hard work. If one falls, the other can help his friend get up. But how tragic it is for the one who is all alone when he falls. There is no one to help him to get up. It is a very sad thing when you find a believer who is all alone. It is a tragic thing. And here's the funny thing. Animals have understood that principle, Pastor Julius. Animals get it. They know to move in parks. Because they know once you are isolated from the park, you are vulnerable and open to attack. Friends, we have an enemy called Satan who wants to pull you away from the fellowship of the brethren, the people of God, so that he can begin to destroy your life. 
but I came to let you know that Jesus came to give us life and life to the full. We begin to truly live life when we're in community with other believers. Yeah. It is so important that you're in fellowship. I think about my cell family here at Motoro Church, and that's the reason I love cell, Pastor yes. Julius. Cell is not a program of the church, no. <laughs> cell is who we are. It is members of Watoro Church coming together to do life together. For the past one year and a half, we've been hosting a cell at our home, my wife Violet and I. And it's been an absolute delight. We moved into this community and we didn't know anybody there. But then we began to connect. When we opened our home for cell, people began to come. Today, in fact, we need to bath. We're around 16 or 17 people. And I tell you, separating people is not easy <laughs> telling people to bath but we have plans for it i'll tell you what we began to do life together and real quickly to my mind comes three members of our small group our cell family i think about Anne, who had gone through a difficult time in another church family and she was looking for a place to belong a place where she would begin to connect with other believers and grow in her relationship with god she joined our cell family today when you come to our cell family Anne, who was timid, is one of the loudest. She is benefiting and she is enjoying doing life with other believers. I think about Linda. Linda told us her story. She was lonely all the time. But two months ago, she came to sell. Today, she's bubbly and funny, connecting, engaging, and taking her next steps in all that God has called her to be. Why? Fellowship. Yeah. I think about Kathy, whose business was struggling. And she had been doing this alone, struggling to make ends meet. But I remember as a cell family going and paying for an amazing meal in her restaurant. All 11, 12 of us were there. And then we not only enjoyed a great time of, 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 of fellowship together. In fact, we gave out Easter gifts and then we began to pray for that business and today it's growing why because life is better together we stood in that place and in fellowship agreed and god began to move you need to do life with other believers don't do life alone life is better together have the discipline of staying in fellowship amazing i love that thank you so much brian i enjoyed about uh, um uh, three weeks ago our married cell connected with another married cell and we thought we were just going to have fellowship but the ladies went over and above and set the table nicely these days you don't have to sit on the chair we sat on the floor and but man it was great and we ate and enjoyed ourselves and coming from that we thought how many people in the community really experience such authentic life so our fellowship is key. Be connected to fellowship. Keep in church. Be plugged in because uh, life is better together. This fourth discipline requires you to clap even before I say it. Come on, just begin to work because it's, it's, it's awesome. So the fourth discipline is a life of generosity. We love that one, don't we? <laughs> We see that in that scripture that you read in the early church. They lived a life of generosity uh, to the point that they sold their possessions so that nobody in the fellowship had need. And that was an amazing testimony to the community around. And they began to grow. They began to have impact and influence 
through their generosity. Now one time, uh, uh, Pastor Gary, our founder, was uh, preaching here and we were doing a series on God's plan for our finances and we were talking about generosity. And so he said that whenever a church service begins, people are excited. The worship begins. We dance and we love it here at Watoto. Telemuka, Telemuka, Telemuka. And then you go to the left, to the right, and people are happy. Until the pastor gets up and says, it's time for us to give. The atmosphere changes. <laughs> And then he says, you know why? Because people are about to rob God. <laughs> and robbers are not happy. <laughs> I was just like, I mean, he said it and I thought, you know, you're right. But that is in another church. Here at Watoto, we're excited to give. Yeah, we're generous. And our generosity should not be spontaneous. It should be a lifestyle. Whether you're at work, if there's an opportunity to bless, bless. At home, bless. Live a life of generosity. Here's why. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 24 says, The world of the generous gets larger and larger. But the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Live a life of generosity and you will live large for the glory of God. Amen, amen, amen. Finally, one other area we need to discipline ourselves is to share the gospel. Right. To preach the gospel. Last week we talked about being committed to God's purpose for our lives. I say God's purpose for our lives is for us to know him and to make him known. No. And the early church exemplified this. And believers all across history have exemplified this. Wherever believers go, they tell people about Jesus. They preach this message of salvation that is found in Jesus alone. And they tell people, listen, you might feel like the worst of all sinners. But God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life yeah. and that this free gift of salvation is not for a chosen few it is for whoever will believe it is a message of love it is a message of reconciliation a message of hope that is only found in jesus the bible tells us about how there was persecution of christians because of their faith in jesus and regardless of where they went, Acts chapter 8 tells us, regardless of where they went, they preached the yes, gospel. Why? The Bible tells us that we must not be ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation. Every single one of us here is surrounded by people that are not born again. People that haven't surrendered their hearts to Jesus. And here's the sad reality. Without Jesus, they're on their way to hell. If we can build the discipline of preaching the gospel, whether we are shaking or afraid, and be faithful to open our mouths and tell people about Jesus, watch what God will do. 
he will begin to do a work in people's hearts. That workmate, that classmate, that family member. I want you to take a step and begin to share the gospel with them. In fact, like Pastor Julius said, generosity shouldn't be spontaneous. Don't let the sharing of the gospel simply be spontaneous. Plan it. When you get to a restaurant, there's that person that doesn't know Jesus. Share. At the shop, share. At your place of work, set up appointments with family members, friends, classmates, and tell them about Jesus. Paul, and I'll conclude with this scripture. Romans 10 verse 13 to 15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We need to build a habit of looking people straight in the eye and telling them about Jesus. Do it simply. Tell your own story because you are a testimony of what God has done. Say to them, I was just like you and I I was living my life without Jesus. And then I had the gospel. And my eyes were opened. Today my life is not the same. Why? Because I surrendered my life to Jesus. And what he did for me, he can do for you. Our total church, we call it each one reaching one. Build the discipline of telling people about Jesus. And watch with amazement what God is going to do. In Jesus' name. Shall we thank him for his word today? Jesus, we thank you for your word. Your word is there to correct us, to teach us. In all righteousness, your word is there to shape us. So that we may be those fully devoted followers. Those disciples through whom you want to do something significant. In our families, in our communities, in the cities and the nations of the world. You've given us a great vision. And it's going to take every single one of us at Watoto Church being fully devoted. As we build these disciplines, may there be an expression of our devotion to you. And that as we grow in our devotion to you, we will inspire others to chase after you and live fully devoted lives as well. It's not by might. It's not by power. Holy Spirit, help us to put this word into action so that our lives might be a salt and light wherever you send us. We thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope this encourages you to step into the new. Tune in next time as we delve into the word of God. For comments and feedback or counseling, Write to connect at watertochurch.com. Hey, hey,